In my Sunday school class, we are uh, letter O, and if you hopefully brought your book with you so that uh, you can fill in the lesson sheet. I don't have a lesson sheet for the rest of you. You just have to follow along, all right? Uh, but uh, we're going to start class like we always do in my class, and then those of you who are not in my class, you can just follow along and join in if you want to. But the way that we start class is we start with reciting the books of the Bible. And uh, so this will be good for you if you don't know the books of the Bible. Uh, this will highlight that for you, make you feel a little convicted about it, that you don't and can't recite the books of the Bible, and you have to start learning them. Our class has come a long way, and we've done a great job. We started when, however many weeks ago, very day, day one, and we started learning the books of the Bible, and they do an awesome job right now. So we'll recite the books of the Bible together, and you follow along if you know them as well, all right? Genesis, Exodus, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Second Peter, First and Second, Third John, Jude, Revelation. All right, very good. Most of you, very good. Um, I'm definitely looking at mouths and watching people, and some of you didn't even try uh, because you knew you were going to fail. So. Um, Maybe, that, maybe, maybe you, uh, those of you who couldn't do it, maybe that would be something you could take up and start learning the books of the Bible. Uh, it is very helpful uh, to know them um, by heart. And I, I also know that some in our own class have, have testified of the fact that since they've learned books of the Bible, like when we're in preaching service and I say, turn to here, turn to here, boom, they're just like able to just do it uh, because they know where it's at and that is helpful. Uh, so maybe, maybe that should be something that you could take up. Also, another thing that we do is we take a minute just to share something that the Lord has done in our life this week, something that we have learned from our Bible reading, a blessing, and so on. And I'm going to open this up as well. And it's probably, maybe some of you feel it's more comfortable over in our setting to, to share than with the whole crowd, but that's okay. You can, you can get past that and just, if there's something that the Lord blessed you with that you in your Bible reading this week, or something that was a blessing, share that with us um, to start our class. Anybody? I know the pressure is on. What? Go ahead. So, the don't take up all my time, though. I'm just going to tell you. Just share your blessing. It's got to be a short blessing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tuesday night, there's a group of us that met up, meet up over Brother Griffith for prayer, and frequently. something that I'm dealing with in my life. We end up talking about it as a whole. It's like, you know, the things that we're facing, the trials, the struggles. Like this morning it was mentioned in prayer about, you know, just health issues. You know, health issues is something that everybody's dealing with. 
Gene when it's not the emotional response of support, but it's a spiritual response of support. Amen. Seth, Daniel, yeah. the girl. Amen. Iron sharpening iron. It's good. Brothers are born for adversity. It's really good. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Anything else? Okay, brother. fits right in with our lesson on obedience today. Even when we don't see it, when we obey it, we find that God has the best. That's good. Very good perspective. Amen. Anything anybody read in your Bible this week that stood out to you? Uh, that was an encouragement or taught you something? Yes, sir?
tissue using tissue and not blood that's scripted mm. and needs to be fixed. And certainly these other things, these other doing things can help. That's right. But it's not, I need to do Yeah, and the doing of things just naturally happens when we love. Yeah, love the Lord with all of our heart. That's the first commandment. Yeah. I was convicted the other day when I cleaned my cookout. I had tracks in the glove box, tracks in the side, and I had tracks at work near my lunch box. And God was just now convicting me of why are those in there? Hmm. Did you start praying for an opportunity? <laughs> Did you have a chance to get one out? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, tomorrow's coming, right? The, the day's not over. You know, that's good. That's really good and convicting at the same time. Yeah. All right, anything else? Anybody else? Okay, so we're going to talk about obedience today, and I'm glad we had a chance to discuss a few of those things because some things were mentioned that really fall right in line with exactly what we're going to talk about. Obedience, or the word obey, is probably one of the most important single words in the Bible. And I say that because, you know what, being obedient is the key to receiving God's blessings in our life. There's a lot of times when God promises something, but that fulfillment of that promise is contingent upon whether or not we obey. You see that in the life of the children of Israel all the time. God said, I will do this if you do that. If you keep this and you do that, then this is what will happen to you. And, you know, even when we go all the way back to our salvation, it's, it requires obedience. God commands all men everywhere to repent. What we need to do is obey the gospel, amen, in order to be saved. And so it all comes back to obedience to the Lord. And there's a multitude of other material and spiritual blessings that come for those who obey God. Uh, the, the day that we live in now, um, and probably it's probably just uh, innate with mankind, but we could say really that the day we live in is marked by uh, rebellion, rebellion against authorities. Uh, is very common, and it wasn't that long ago. You see the, the terrible riotings and all those things that happen you know, in the streets of these big cities and so on, and, and it's, it's a mark of rebellion against authority. You see it, uh, rebellion and disobedience uh, in, in children toward their parents, uh, and it's, just, it's, it's, it's flaunted, it's flagrant, characterized by rebellion. Rebellion and disobedience, where does that come from? Well, it comes directly from our sinful nature. Let's just look at a couple passages of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And look at verse 2. 2 Timothy 3, 2. And verse 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, 
unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. One of the marks uh, of the age, the last days, is the fact that people would be in rebellion and children disobedient to their parents. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. What was the cause of the fall of man, mankind? It was one man's disobedience. And so we see rebellion uh, as a characteristic of the age. You see it in the home with kids. You see rebellion in society. You see even rebellion in churches. Uh, and it all stems from a basic attitude that mankind has toward God, who is the ultimate authority. Um, let's see. Daniel, why don't you look up Luke chapter 19? You can all turn there, but you can look up, Daniel, you can read Luke chapter 19 and verse 14 for What is the statement that these people said concerning Jesus here? What is it? That he, Jesus said the words. He said, we will not have this man to reign over us. That is the attitude of, of uh, the basic sinful, rebellious attitude of the sin nature. And now, as never before, we need to seriously concern ourselves with this subject or this issue of obedience. And it's ultimately obedience toward God. And so this is where we're going to spend all of our time today. For the first thing that we need to consider, though, is what is God's attitude? What does God think about obedience? What is his attitude toward obedience? Let's look at a couple passages of Scripture, and I'll have uh, some of you men read these for us. Um, we don't need to read all of this passage, but let's all turn there together. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. We won't read the entire passage here. I want to highlight uh, just one part of it, though. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And let's go to, let's go to verse 10, and we'll just... Read a, a good chunk of this from verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. So what's the setting here? Well, that, that God tells Samuel that, that Saul has turned back from following after the Lord, and Saul has not performed God's commandments. What would you call that, right? You'd call that disobedience, wouldn't you? Not doing what God has said. All right? And verse 12, And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now what was going on in Saul's mind here? Right? He said, I did what the Lord said to do, but God said he did not do 
what I said to do, right? Now verse 14, And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now he's blaming other people. Oh, it was the people. The people did it. It wasn't, it wasn't my fault. Then Samuel said unto, unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast not thou made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent, uh, sent thee on a journey, and said, Go, and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And Gilgal, he says, the people did it, but they did it for a good reason. They were going to sacrifice to you. And then verse 22, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. When we talk about obedience and we talk about what God's attitude toward obedience is, God's attitude toward obedience is that total obedience is what is actual real obedience. Does that make sense? Not partial obedience. Saul said, oh, I did, I did, I did, I did part of what the Lord said to do. But God said, you didn't obey my command. Partial surrender and partial obedience is not obedience in the, in the eyes and mind of the Lord. And he said, to obey is better than sacrifice, than all your service, than all the things that you can do. Obedience is better in the eyes of God. Now let's look up Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Caleb, why don't you read Acts 13 verses 21 and 22, please. You see the you see the contrast here? God gave them Saul to be king, but God removed Saul because he did not obey the voice of the Lord, correct? But then when God raises up David to be king, notice what God says about David here. That David was a man after his own heart and what was he going to do? He was going to fulfill all my will. 
He was going to be obedient to the Lord in God's eyes. The Lord described David, King Saul's successor, as a man after his own heart and a man who would fulfill all of his will. And if you're in, the, in your lesson sheet, the answer to letter C, well, you have letter B and letter C, but the answer to letter C is, why did the Lord describe David as a man after his own heart? Because... He was going to fulfill all of his will. So in God's mind and in God's heart and his, his attitude toward obedience is that it's full, full obedience. All of what God says, not partial. And it's better in God's mind than, than all the service that we might think we can do for the Lord. So we consider what God's attitude toward obedience is, but we also should consider what God's attitude is regarding disobedience. Because if God is all about full obedience, then He also has something to say about disobedience then too, doesn't He? So look up 1 Samuel chapter 15. Back to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And Chris, I want you to read verse 23, if you will. And I want you to look here as he reads this verse and follow along and, and notice what God likens rebellion to. 1 Samuel 15:23. For rebellion is as sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of God, he hath also rejected thee from being king. All right, so God rejected and removed Saul from being king because Saul didn't obey the word of the Lord. And he says in verse 23 that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Um, I don't know about you, but I would consider uh, witchcraft to be satanic. I would consider that to be the exact opposite of God himself. You know? And so, uh, in other words obedience or disobedience or rebellion is is the exact opposite of God and what he is and who he is. So let's look up another passage Deuteronomy chapter 21. And what we'll, what you're going to see here and I want, what I want you to pay attention to is the penalty that was exacted for rebellious uh, acts uh, under, the, under the Mosaic Law, okay? In Deuteronomy chapter 21, and look down to verse 18. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when, he, that when they have chastened him will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, and bring him out under the elders of the city and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a, a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones that he die. Shall, shalt thou put evil away from among you? And all Israel shall hear and fear. Uh, you notice that, that God's penalty for adamantly uh, rebelling for a son who is adamant, re 
adamantly rebelling uh, against his parents uh, that ended in him costing him his life. And we say, well, that might be a harsh penalty. And by today's standards, probably, it certainly is. But I think it's intended to clearly show the Lord's attitude toward rebellion. That it's a serious thing with God is the point. It's all about all obedience, full obedience to God. And in rebellion against God, there's always a high price to pay. There's going to be a high price to pay. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, if you didn't know the books of the Bible. <clears throat> I was going to call some of you out, but I didn't. You're welcome. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Josh, would you for us uh, verse 9? All right, so what, what is, the, what is the, the issue going on here? Uh, young men is, is the, the focal point, especially here, but it, it applies to anyone and everyone. But it might be uh, more of an issue or more of a problem with young men. He says, fine, live, rejoice in your heart. Cheer thee in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart. Do what you, do what you want to do. Live how you want to live in the sight of your eyes, but understand this and know this, that for all the choices that you make, God is going to bring you into judgment. In other words, there are going to be consequences. Um, there's always going to be a high price to pay when we are in disobedience to God. Sure, God's not going to force you to obey Him, but know this, there's going to, there's going to come consequences with that. Right? That's what he's saying there. Let's look at another one. 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. In verse 23, Brother Wilson, you can read uh, verse 23 of 1 Timothy chapter 5. Mm, is that the right? That's not the right verse. <clears throat> Um, let's see. That is not the right verse. Wonder if it's second. No, that's not right either. Okay, well we're gonna we're gonna skip past that one then because that's not the verse I wanted. Um, I think the issue and the point that I'm making here, you're getting though, is that um, that God God is serious about obedience, but He's also very serious about disobedience and rebellion. So, that's God's attitude. So when we come to the idea of God's commands, we come to the idea of the Word of God, right? Uh, the application for us is very clear. It's not okay with God when we are in rebellion or disobedience to His Word. That's the issue and that's the point. God tells us what is good for us, God tells us what His commands are. We, uh, it's incumbent upon us to be obedient to Him. It's a serious thing with God, but mankind just kind of sort of flaunts it. Mankind just sort of like, I'm going to do what I want to do, or we'll pick and choose which parts that we really want to be obedient to, 
right? But the rest of the time I'll do what I want to do, and that's fine, but know this, for all those things, God's going to bring you into judgment, okay? So obedience is a big deal with God. So let's consider then the source of true obedience. Does, and the question that I'm going to ask you here that I want you to think about is, are we robots, are we, you know, are we programmed to, to do and have to do all that God says to do? Well, no, we're not robots. We're not, we're not uh, programmed to, to, uh, to do only what God says to do. God gives us a choice. God gives us some free will. And so when it comes to the matter of obedience, what is the source of real obedience? And because, oh, well, I better do it. I better do it because if I don't, I'm going to be punished. I'm going to be punished or... Is there something bigger, something greater than that? Now let's look in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I want you to notice Jesus' words. And this sort of goes along with what Caleb's testimony was just a little while ago uh, concerning a love problem. In, in John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus says, If ye, ye love me, keep my commandments. What is, what is it in Jesus' mind, what is it in God's mind that is proof of my love for Him? What is it? Somebody tell me. Keeping His commandments. Being obedient to His commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And, and the truth of the matter is, when love is the source, my obedience to God comes because of my love for Him. Listen, all of the other things, they're not hard to do. They fall in line and they come easier for me because I have this, this abiding love toward God and toward Christ that compels me. I want to please Him because I love Him. Therefore, I'm going to... Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Look at verse 23 of John 14. Verse 23, And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Jesus said, If a man loves me, he will keep my commandments. The source of true obedience is actually love for God. And it's true when there are things that are beginning to wane, typically it's a love problem. My heart, keep yourselves in the love of God, is talking about keeping yourself in love with God. We can't ever be separated from God's love. That's permanent. God's always going to love us. The question is, am I in love with the Lord? All right, let's look at another. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. All right, Mike, can you read 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3? For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. All right, when there is love for the Lord, the statement here is the commandments of God are not grievous. When I love the Lord and I want to please Him, uh, His commands toward me are not, I'm not going to chafe against it. It's not, oh, oh, I got to do this. And if I don't do it, I'm going to be in trouble. No, his commandments are not grievous. 
when I love the Lord, they're not grievous to me. I want to please Him. Look at 1 John chapter 4. In verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. Listen, and the idea here is that um, because God loved me and gave His Son for me, and He saved my soul, the only reason I'm a child of God is because of His love. But I know what He did for me, I know what I was, and I know that now I'm a child of God and I love Him because of what He's done for me. We love Him because He first loved us. I was just praying with some men this morning, and one of the things that was being drawn out in, in this, as this man was praying was his love for God. He's like, I just love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Why, why is he saying that? Why is he just saying it over and over again? Because he realizes what God has done for him. Right? And when you love somebody, when you love somebody intensely, what is your heart's desire? To please them. I love this person intensely. I want to please them. I want, I'll sacrifice. I'll go out of my way. I'll do whatever I need to do so that, so that they are blessed and that they are happy. Because Why am I doing that? Because I want to please them. Because I love them. That's in a great, even a greater degree toward God. His commandments are not grievous to me because I love Him. Because I know what He did. For me. And so the source of true obedience is not that I'm a robot. It's not that I'm programmed, you know, to have to do. God's going to give me a choice, certainly. And I need to remember that for all these things, the Lord is going to bring you into judgment. Yes. But you know what? Beyond that, way bigger than that, is that my obedience stems uh, from a place of love toward God for what He's done for me. Amen? That's really good. And so obedience to the Lord is a big deal with God. But in reality, it comes down to something that's actually simple and easy to do if I love God. So we've covered what God thinks about obedience, what God thinks about disobedience. We consider the source of obedience, that it ought to be love for the Lord. But God is, God is amazing in this regard. Um, we are commanded to obey, and we ought to obey because we love the Lord. But you know what? When we do, God actually is, is he's, he's amazing in this regard. God rewards and blesses His people for obedience. Now, I don't obey because I'm going to get a blessing. I'm, that is a, that's a benefit. Amen. It ought to be because I love Him. But God is always faithful and promises blessings that are related to our obedience. Let's look up a couple of things. 1 John chapter 3. And I want you to notice here, uh, and the question is, what, what does God promise us when we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight? In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 22, the Bible says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. What is, what is it? What does, what does God promise us when we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight? Somebody tell me. Speak up. Answer prayer. What we ask, we receive of Him. 
Yes, because we keep His things that are pleasing in His sight. Look at John chapter 15, the Gospel of John chapter 15. And I want you to notice in this verse where an obedient Christian uh, is going to ob- abide. In 1 John chapter 15 and verse 10. 1 John 15, 10 says, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. And so, where is the obedient Christian going to be abiding if we keep His commandments? In the love of God. Now look at Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to notice there are three things that God promises to provide for us when we put Him first, when we're obedient to the Lord. Matthew chapter 6. And let's see, let's read verse, let's go down to 31. And we'll start there. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So what is it that God promises when we put Him first? In verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? Well, food, clothing, shelter. God's going to take care of our needs. God's going to meet our needs when we are obedient to Him and we put Him first. Now look at John chapter 15, back over there. John 15. And according to this verse, I want you to notice what our obedience to the Lord makes us. Brother Gerth, could you read that one? John chapter 15 and verse 14. All right, so what does our obedience to the Lord make us then, according to... Jesus' words here. Friends. You want to be called a friend of God? What an amazing thought. That God would call you His friend? Wow, what a relationship to have with God, that you're a friend of God. Oh, oh, wait, it's tied to whether or not we're going to be obedient to Him. Right? So, are you a friend of God? Like, I want to be. I want to be a friend of God. I want this for my life. But Jesus says and makes it very clear, ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Let's look at another verse, 1 John chapter 2. There's a lot that God says about obedience, and there's a lot that, is, that God will bless in life. It's contingent upon obedience, though, to Him. 1 John chapter 2, and I want you to notice here what the Bible says is perfected in our lives when we keep His Word, when we're obedient to His Word. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5, But whoso keepeth 
His word in Him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. There's a couple of things that stand out to me in this verse. Uh, Whoso keepeth His word, um, that word keepeth, it's, it's, it's the word that means to guard. It's like a warden of a prison. You know, it's, it's guarding to keep, it, keep those prisoners in. And, and so it's, it, it carries the idea, though, of, of God's word uh, being uh, pr- uh, protected, like in my life. Like God's word doesn't need to be protected. He preserves it. He protects his own word. But it's, it's in my own life. That he's talking about here. And he says, in him then is the love of God perfected. And then the second thing that stands out to me is hereby know we that we are in him. What does that tell us? How do you know that, you're, that there's a saved person that you're talking to? Or, look, or how do you know that you're saved if you have a desire in your heart and your life to be obedient to God? The person, listen, the person who claims to be a Christian, the person who says that they know God, but there's no real obedience to the things of God or to the Word of God, that person's not saved at all. Not even a little. You can't be saved a little. You're saved all the way. But you understand what I mean. And a person's life bears that out. A person's life evidences that. Just coming to church... Is not, is not, oh, see, I'm being obedient to God, I'm saved, because I go to church. No, no, no. It's an internal thing that comes from love for God, and in Him is the love of God perfected. Being obedient to the Lord is also a mark of whether or not a person is truly saved. Now, let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I want you to notice here, because we're talking about obedience to the Word of God, and I want you to notice what James says in James 1.22, that if we hear the Word of God and then we don't respond to it, what are we actually doing? James 1 in verse 22. Morgan, can you read that for me? All right, so what is it then when we hear the Word of God, but we don't respond to it in obedience? What are we doing? Deceiving ourselves. In other words, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I'm saved. But I don't actually respond to the Word of God. I'm just deceiving myself that I'm actually that. What did Saul do? Saul said, I did obey the, I did obey the voice of the Lord. Didn't he? To- totally deceiving himself. Uh, that he was in obedience to the Lord. And so, when we're a hearer of the Word, but not a doer, we're not obedient to it, we're deceiving ourselves. But I want you also to notice what James calls this. Look in James chapter 4. James 4 and verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Disobedience is ultimately sin. Yeah. Disobedience to God and to His Word is ultimately sin. And so, it's a big deal. Obedience to God and to His Word 
is a big deal with God. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. Because I want you to note to what Jesus likens the life of an obedient person in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So what is, the, what is it that Jesus likens uh, a person who is obedient to his commands? He's a wise man. A wise man. But beyond just being wise, there's a foundation in his life that is established so that when the storms come and the waves come and it beats upon that person's house that you know what it's going to stand it's going to it your life is going to be established it's built on truth and obedience to God's word the person who is in disobedience to God to his word is like an unto a foolish man and Jesus said when the rains came and the winds blew and it beat on that house great was the fall of it Hey, let's apply that. You know, someone can build a life for themselves, a temporal life, and it seems like they're doing well. They got lots of money and they got, you know, things and they're established. And it just looks like things are going really well in their life. And a guy can be real, real conceited, wise in his own conceits. Look, I'm doing fine. But guess what, buddy? The day's coming. When the winds are going to blow, the rain's going to come, and that sand foundation that you have made and built your life on, it's coming down. Great will be the fall of it. I think that's good enough reason to say, you know what, I, I need to reconsider. I need to evaluate my life. I need to... I need to evaluate, am I really being obedient to God and to His Word? Or am I doing and walking in my own path, in my own ideas of what I want for my life to be, the way that I imagine it, the way that I see it? Or am I actually in obedience to what God is saying to do or not to do? Does that make sense? Because it's a faulty foundation, my own thinking. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. What is, what, what is the, the, what's not being mentioned there, but is, but is important and implied in a verse like that? If I acknowledge him, that means I want to obey him, right? And he shall direct my paths. That means I want to follow in that path. I want to be obedient to him. So, the source of our obedience is love, but, but God is always faithful to bless 
a child, his children's lives when we are in obedience to him. He promises all kinds of blessings. Uh, and that's where we find the blessing of God in our life when we are in full obedience to him. So let's consider the right attitude in obedience. We're not going to get through all of the, Oh, actually, it's time to quit right now. Um, what I want you to do is just mark your spot here if you're in my class, and we'll pick this up again um, next Sunday, and we'll consider the right attitude in obedience. Um, if any of you are, who are not in my class are interested in finding out the rest of this lesson, uh, talk to me afterwards or next week. Or if you don't want Brother Humphrey to teach you, just ask me and I'll finish the class. I'm kidding. Um, it's a good lesson, though, because here's the point, and especially, you know, when, when, we're, when we're new believers in the Lord, my heart attitude is, I want to do whatever God tells me to do. I know what God saved me from. I know what I am now. I'm just excited to be a child of God. I want to do whatever God wants me to do. We're, there's an excitement in our life to be obedient to God when we're new believers. But guess what happens along the way? The longer we're saved, it shouldn't be this way, but so often it is this way. The longer we're saved, the more in love with the Lord we ought to be. But so often what happens in a, in a Christian's life is things begin to wane because there's a love problem. And I'm not so keen on uh, doing anything and everything that God tells me to do. Life kind of takes over and I get these ambitions and plans for myself and so on and and what really ought to be uh, the case is that the longer we're saved, the more we love the Lord and the more obedient to Him we want, should want to be. So let's ask the Lord to help us. Amen.